0: Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide us a speaker meetings, workshops and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this session on lust cunning, baffling, powerful and patient. <laughs> My name is uh, Simon. I'm a recovering lustaholic.
2: I uh,
1: will be facilitating this uh, this session, joined by Curtis. Uh, each of us will share our recovery on this topic. Then we'll take time to answer questions. Questions will be taking, taken uh, by writing on these cards. We don't have an official basket, as far as I know, what to put them in. And if you wish to participate, uh, write your question on a three-by-five card and place it in the basket or make sure we get it. In the spirit of of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this is a recorded session. The recording equipment will not be turned off during the session. We ask that you please silence all cell phones. And uh, let us open with the uh, serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And next we'll have the essay purpose. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy. Neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. It says here next, um, let's see, panelists share... And then questions are read and answered. And uh, I think Curtis is going to go first. 15 minutes, 15
2: minutes, and then we... Okay. Okay. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm Curtis. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Curtis. Um, My sobriety date is April 1st, April Fool's Day of of 2009. Um, I was the fool. Um, So... I wanted to start with what, I, for me, what lust is. And I also want to say that um, I, a, a good friend of mine in recovery said to me once, he said, I'm, I'm not an expert, I'm a satisfied customer. So um, what I say lust is for me doesn't have to be what lust is for you. It's just my experience with it over, um, 40 years of using it, uh, 30 years of using it somewhere in there. Um, <clears throat> first of all, our first steps as we admitted that we were powerless over lust. So for us to say that, um, that lust is cunning, uh, baffling and powerful, it sort of goes without saying because, um, that is what I am powerless over is lust. Um, and I, I think the other part of that piece that was, was helpful for me was in the, in the big book in, um, let me find it here, in More About Alcoholism. And, and when I say, if, if I'm going to say I'm powerless over something um, in my mind, that means I'm powerless, I'm always powerless, and there's, I've got no control at, at any time. But if we read the, the very last paragraph of More About Alcoholism, um, it says, once more, so it, he, he's about to say something that he's already said before. He says, once more, the alcoholic or the sexaholic... At certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. And at some point in my essay career, I circled at certain times um, because I realized that I spent an acting out career and my disease let me at certain times decide whether or not I was going to lust and that was important because it kept my hopes up that I could control this, that I could do something about it. And so when I would decide that I was going to stop acting out at certain times, a day, two days, three days, my disease said, yeah, that's fine, you go ahead, you know, don't act out. But it always came back around, And it always asked for the same thing. It always asked for more lust. Um, And so the first time that it it came back to me and asked for more lust, you know, it was just like, you know, that's just, that's what guys do. Um, You know, it's everybody does it, um, you know, whatever, however many excuses you can come up with. And it wasn't it it was I was married for fifteen years, and in that entire time during that marriage, I did not want to be doing what I was doing, so I, you know my my looking at pornography, uh, compulsively masturbating, um, fantasizing about um, pretty much everybody I met, but in particular um, friends of my wife. So um I tried, you know, all of the I, I changed jobs, moved dif- you know, to different states. Um just like the big book says, I I tried those solutions and they didn't work. But so <clears throat> for me what's helpful is it it's great to sort of be um to to be to sort of have some confirmation in the literature, but but really, what is helpful to me is to hear specifically what lust is, and I think that that's key to me because I can I can go to a year's worth of essay meetings and say absolutely nothing about lust because I can use recovery jargon like act out, uh, lust trigger, um. What's the nocturnal emissions? That's one of my favorite ones. Um, And I can never, I never get anywhere close to talking about what's really going on in my head. And it's not, it's not acting out. You know, lust is not the masturbation. It's not the sex. It's not the pornography. Lust is the, the, um, the white book says it's, a, it's, it's using a natural thing for an unnatural um, purpose. And um, so I was in a constant fantasy. My, my lust is falling in love with um, the person in the car next to me as I'm driving to work. Um, because they had a certain haircut. They drove a certain car. Um, they walked a certain dog. Um, so I, I was willing to enter into a relationship because of the type of dog that you had or the type of pants that you wore or the smell of your perfume. And um, it was never about another person. So what, whether, whether I act out with another person Lust was never about the reality of another human being. Even in my um, romantic fantasies, um, lust was not about you and who you were and, and what you knew and uh, what you liked and what you didn't like. It was about a fantasy about having a, being in a relationship. And that other person just happened to be there. I I I created the fantasy of wouldn't it, you know what what would it be like to come home to this person you know what would it be like to sit down for dinner with this person what would it be like you know to travel the world with this person um and I I would fool myself into thinking that that was because I, I, was, I got divorced when I first came into SA, so I spent the first f- four, five years um, single in SA. And a- after my divorce, um, at, at some point, my, my sponsor suggested that I start dating. And when I started dating was when those fantasies Those that lust of this might be every every first cup of coffee I went to, I I pulled up in front of the coffee shop. And before I got out of the car, I said, this might be the one, you know, this might be my future wife. And not only does that put an inordinate amount of pressure on this person that I'm about to meet for the very first time for a cup of coffee, it also had nothing to do with that person. Um, and it was all about the the lust of being in relationship. Um, during my <clears throat> during my acting out, my the the lust. Well, regardless of when I was, if I was acting out or not, lust for me has always been um, it's always been secretive. Um, it's always been very possessive. You know, it's mine. um, And I don't want you to know about it. And so whenever I had a question about, you know, is this lust or is this not lust, um, if I didn't want to tell anybody about it, that was a good indication that it was, you know, I was lusting and I didn't want anybody to have anything to do with it because it was mine. And, and that, the power in picking up the phone and speaking that to somebody in a very specific way. Um, again, not in a, Hey, I just saw somebody that was triggering that doesn't, that, that never helped me because the reason that never helped me is because I, that I still had what I was keeping secret. I still had the, The tattoo on the girl's calf, or I still had um, the the eyeliner around her eyes, or I had you know the sound of that person's voice. So until until I was got in this program and began to practice specifically talking about the 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 obsession with another person, it was. You know, it was still mine, um, and like I said, the the other part of it was it was possessive. It was uh, it, I was taking something from whatever, whether it was a person, whether it was a billboard, whether it was a, a just an idea. Um, it I was I was taking from someone else one of my acting out behaviors was i would um i would eavesdrop on people a, a group of people at work would be talking about what they were going to do that weekend and i would eavesdrop on them so i could create a fantasy about how i could insert myself into their life for that weekend and how i could meet them you know i could change their their flat tire I could, um, you know, drive them home and I could have sex with them. Um, so part of, part of my bottom line is that I had, I, I have to stop eavesdropping on people when, when people are having a conversation and I'm not part of it, then I need to walk away. Um, and and that's that's the possessive nature of it. It was it was always I, I was taking from from other people. Um, the the last thing that I think I'll try to cover here about lust was is the is the actions that that I can take um, because I've I've already admitted that I'm powerless over lust. So what do I do? Um, and oftentimes I fall into the trap of that the program of essays going to help me out. You know, I'm going to learn. I'm going to. am going to be able to say enough prayers. So when so <clears throat> when I sit down at the coffee shop and there's someone directly in my line of sight that I find um, interesting in some way, it's easy for me to say oh, I'll just say a prayer. You know, God, whatever I'm looking for in that person may I find in you. And then I'm still sitting there staring at that person. And then I say, well, God, you know, whatever I'm looking for in that person may I find in you. And they're still there. And the action is not the the surrender, the action, whatever you want to call it, is not in that particular tool at that particular time. The action is getting up and going and sit down in another chair because I, I, I can't, I can't under my own power, um, escape that obsession of the mind. It's the same. I I'm used to, um, another acting out, um, behavior of mine was I would, I would stand, you know, in my house about, three or four feet away from the window so people couldn't, you know, see me there and I would sort of stare at people. And if I could stare into your house, even better, because that was that much more intimate for me. And so there was a, there's a, on our stairs in our townhouse, there was a window that looked in that I, you could see into the bathroom of the neighbor's house. And so I would go up and down the stairs and say, God, Please help me! Don't look, you know. Please help me to not look into that window. <laughs> then I'd come back down the stairs. God, please, and I and I called somebody. I usually say I call my sponsor, but I, I mean it's it's been a while. But I told him, you know, the story. I was like, I, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I you know, I said a prayer, I surrendered it, and I you know let it go and all this stuff, and it's still there. And uh, he said, we'll close the blinds. <laughs> And that was the power, that was the action, that was the surrender that I I have to, that's the approach that I have to take with lust. Because like I said, I'm powerless over it. And I can't fool myself into thinking that I can come into SA and learn enough recovery tools to, to... Sorry. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) I'm powerless over my timer, too, apparently. Um, Seemed like there was one other thing I uh, I wanted to hit, but apparently my time is done. So thank you very much. (laughs)
1: Hey, I'm Simon, uh, <laughs> recovering uh, lustaholic. Simon, uh, sexually sober by God's grace since eight eight oh two. Currently working step eleven as my primary step, and I've done some work on step eleven in the last twenty four hours through prayer. Some work on step twelve in the last twenty four hours by helping others in the program. Some work on step zero and one in the last twenty four hours by participating in SA meetings. Um, our topic: uh, lust, cunning, baffling, powerful, and. Patient. Um, and I want to thank a, a couple of people just before I get started. Uh, I want to thank all my brothers uh, uh, who shared, who uh, who prayed with me. We were at lunch. He said, are you ready? I said, I am not ready at all to talk about this. <laughs> so thanks for the prayers. I'm thankful to my wife who prayed for me. She's uh, at home with the kids um, out of state. And um, and for my sponsor, <laughs> I was on my way to this session. He said, "Put me aside, and say Simon." This is really deep, right? He says, "You're just another bozo on the bus." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Okay, thanks for that reminder. Humility is an important thing, right?" <laughs> um, I was I was wondering what to share and kind of asking God what to, what to share. And um, so these are a few things that came to mind. One is. Um, that in addition to being a, um, lustaholic, sex act, I'm, I'm also somebody who is in recovery from code of yeah, codependency. And um, I started Al-Anon before this program and I still go to those meetings every now and then. Um, and since I'm kind of sharing my story, I'll share that. I know we don't talk about other programs during the meeting, but, you know, kind of sharing my story. Um. So codependency is part of my, uh, my story, my journey. And in the meeting there, my Alan Sponsor said, Simon, you're a love addict. I said, what's that? And he told me what that is. And basically, it's a, it's somebody who's addicted to another person, this concept of relationships. And the way some people are addicted to alcohol, um, that's kind of what it is. And that's not even about sex. It's about this person's going to affirm me when things are going well. It's wonderful. And it all ties with the codependency and, of course, the sex addiction, right? Because, you know, I'm not healthy enough to know what love is. of so the bit closest I can get is sex, right? That's the closest I can get. Because love involves things that are scary. Very scary. For me, um, love involves vulnerability. It involves risk. It involves great fear. It involves turmoil. It involves angst. And thanks to recovery, it involves joy. And recovery is a great place to be. <laughs> so, um, lust, cunning, baffling, and powerful. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic home with two alcoholic uh, parents who had uh, their own challenges. And thanks to this program, I can honestly say that, of course, I always loved my mother, but I can actually say that I loved my father and made amends to him prior to him passing away. And that's important because it's important for me to own my story. All of it, even the parts I used to be ashamed of, right? There was another session of shame earlier, right? I have to be proud. I have to accept all that and I have to own that. Because if I don't own my story, my story owns me. If I'm going to be happy, joyous, and free, I have to own my story. So part of my story. I've been engaged three times. Now, out of respect to these young ladies, I number them. So I was engaged to woman number one for seven years. And I knew, absolutely knew, that she was perfect, because, well, first of all, she was really smart. And the other thing is that she was cute, and she ignored me in an interesting, got to overcome the challenge way, get to know her, right? It's like, this is a challenge, that lasted for seven years, uh, the relationship. And one of the key things that came out of that, because God has a way of teaching me some, some things, one of the key things that came out of that is that we were like, oh, man, you know, my faith tradition, I'm not supposed to have sex until I get married, and most faith traditions are that way, right? And um, I was like, man, I'm feeling guilty because, you know, um, I was about to say lost my virginity to her, but, you know, when you give it away, you can't say you lost it, right? <laughs> I'm like, this sex thing is wonderful. This is what love is. And um, I remember uh, thinking, man, I, I got to fix her because, you know, I'm feeling guilty. I got to marry her because I want to be married anyway. I got to fix her. You know, she got some problems, so we went to the counselor. And um, I said, you know, the, the only issue is that, um, you know, you know, I, 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 I told the counselor, I said, she has this problem that we have to get past. I'm, I'm willing to work, she can stay home with the kids when we get married, that's fine. All I want is sex three times a day, that's all. And she's like, oh, what? I can't do that. And, and I'm like, what's the big deal, right? I'm serious, what's what's the big deal? If you love me, that's what you do, right? Because I, you know, I didn't know what real love was, I'm a love cripple. So all I know is, if we're having sex, that must mean that we have love. And my fiance was like, I can't do that. Because she had enough integrity to say, if she agrees to something, she's going to do it, right? And she's like... I'm not going to agree to that. And I'm like, what's the problem? That didn't last, okay? So there's woman number two, so I got another hostage, right? If you're going to go down, take somebody with you, right? So I got another hostage, and uh, that one lasted for um, five years. Yeah, that one lasted for five years, and that one blew up too, yeah. But I learned some things. That's what got me into uh Al-Anon, my first program, because I'm dealing with the codependency uh, that didn't work and then I got into an essay and then I got uh, the, the third one and the third one there was no sex because I realized I'm sick and I got an essay sponsors like you can't do that you're not healthy enough to do that sort of thing <laughs> and uh, of course that one fell apart too but at least it was sober right and um, I was given I wasn't given permission to date for a while okay because like you're not healthy enough to do that <laughs> and um, then what happened is that what are we looking like and then after, after getting uh, some sobriety, uh, which is really hard for me, um, I was told uh, get rid of everything that involves sex because you're not healthy enough for that. You know, get rid of all the stuff out of the house. And I said, "What about this thing? You know, it has instructions about how to do things when you get married." He said, "You don't need that. You're not married. Get rid of that." And then I'm like, "Oh man, there's just like nothing," and it's like it's kind of like, "Oh man." And then I started going through uh, withdrawal. And for me, withdrawal was very intense. It was very intense. And I didn't realize what the addiction was doing to me. But when I, when I stopped acting out, I could feel things. I felt like um, they were like bugs. I felt like bugs were crawling on my skin. And I was just scratching. And, and I got like these rashes where I'm peeling the skin away. And I went to the doctor because it was too ashamed to tell him what was happening. I, I knew it was like withdrawal, right? Because what happened is I, would, um, I could hear my breath. I could, um, I could feel the sweat beginning. And normally what happened is I'd act out right immediately, so I never had to feel that stuff, right? I never had to feel that. And now I'm feeling this stuff. And he gave me some, something for the rash and stuff, stuff like that, but um, feeling that was was, was pretty painful. Um, so I got sober, and um, then I, I met somebody really, really special. And the reason I know she was special is because my sponsor told me years before, Simon, you know, you keep attracting these crazy women because you're crazy, so when you get sober, I want you to have this list of characteristics you're looking for in, in the wife, right? And I, I did that. I was sober. I looked at it. He looked at it. I had the counselor look at it, and they said, wow, this is really healthy. And I met someone who had all of those characteristics. And because I am um, a love addict, um, uh, we – I'll just put it like this. I studied her for about a year, Okay. We worked at the same place, and we'd go out in groups because I didn't feel safe enough to not, because we'd have this thing, like I'd be thinking, oh, she's the one. We're going to get married. We're going to have kids. We're gonna, That's the love addiction, right? That's this codependency. She's going to make my life wonderful. She's going to give me all the love my parents never had time to give me, right? It was like, so I had to get out of that. The way I got out of that is I called it the buddy system. So when we'd go out, I'd say, oh, you gotta, you got to pay your own way. Oh, what? i said, "I said, yeah, because then i started to think, oh, this is a date. If it's a date, it's leading this romantic stuff, and I start getting carried away in my head and all this. And um, <laughs> we eventually got married. I remember her telling her girlfriends, "I don't know why I put up with him. Can you believe I had to pay my own way to the movies?" <laughs> I said, "Sorry, honey. You know, <laughs> um, it was it was it was a journey, but um, I knew for me the the intensity." The intensity, I had always substituted um, inti- intensity for intimacy. Because intimacy is scary, but intensity, that's the addiction, you know? And even if there's no sex involved, I'll get the stuff going in my head. Oh, yeah, we're going to get together, we're going to have kids. She's going to meet all my needs. This is wonderful. So um, um, there's no hand holding. It was pretty, it was like being with a good friend. Who you can't have sex with, right? (laughs) Um, I remember, uh, wow, I remember the day that I knew she was to be my wife, and um, that was powerful. Um, After I asked her to marry me, I kissed her for the first time. I'll never forget that. Pure joy. No lust, no, what's next? What's this leading up to? There's none of that. Being in the moment. Um, Yeah, recovery's a great place to be. I remember uh, there were, um, gosh, being able to see God's power and, and still knowing that I'm flawed, Lust comes through in lots of different ways. Lots of different ways. Um, um, but I still had fear. We got married. What happened is uh, you know we we got married and you know I'd been like, oh man, I'm not supposed to have sex. But I've been told it's okay now. It's like, and there was a lot of fear there. And in my head, I'm like, I don't I don't know what to do. I used to know what to do, I don't know what to do now. And walking through that fear together. Not long ago, um, not long ago, um, my sponsor had me doing some work on uh, sloth and procrastination. And I I finished that work. And on the heels of that, I was up really early one morning, and something happened. And I I knew there was something deeper. but I didn't know what it was. And I was... um, I clicked on on YouTube. There was like somebody in a bathing suit, and I clicked on it. And before it opened, I exited out. And I thought, "What is your problem, Simon? Now I know it's not porn, but that's not me. What's going on with me?" And I God made it clear what it was. I so um I. My wife and I talked. We, we'd had some special time together, or as, a, as I heard, refer uh, sex, sex, um, spiritual energy, ex- spiritual energy exchange. Um, but but, af- but after but one of the things that have been happening over the last couple of years is, during that time, I would curse, and that's not like me. During, I'm like <laughs> blankety blank 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 blank, and I'm like, what's going on with me? And it's like. Because of all the work God's allowed me to do, I'm getting closer to this point of having genuine emotional intimacy. That's why I couldn't meditate. All these years I've been trying to meditate, I can't do it because it involves intimacy. Intimacy with God. It's like, I, I just can't do that. With my wife, I, I just can't do that. It's easier for me to curse than to be vulnerable. And I remember telling her, I said, um, I said, it's amazing. I just started crying uncontrollably. I'm just like, and ah, and my whole body is shaking because there's this war. I know that I know that love involves vulnerability, but I'm so afraid of that. But I know I have to see what God has for me. I can't stay in this intensity. That's part of my illness. So I'm talking to her, and I'm just crying, and ah! I'm just shaking uncontrollably. And I said, I said, I have always been afraid. We've been married for 17 years. I looked her in the eyes. I said, I have always been afraid that you were going to leave me, always. And she said, why would I do that? Because of my self-hate, right? Who could really love me, right? That's why when we got married. I only gave you uh, one part of the ring. I didn't give you the other part until five years later. I didn't think she was going to stick around, right? <laughs> Our fifth anniversary. Oh, I have something for you. She said, the jeweler told me you had two parts of this ring. I only got one. I didn't think you are going to stay, right? Who would stay with me? I was always afraid she, w- she was going to leave. And since that time, it's incredible. I can tell her anything now. That's a gift of the program. I don't have to lean towards this intensity. Intensity leads me to Lust cunning, baffling, powerful, and patient. That's why it's patient. With me, lust has been very, very patient. Why? Because lust isn't the problem. Lust is my symptom. My problem is self-hate. And as I heard a a professional say, um, the purpose of an addiction is to medicate intolerable reality. My lust is trying to medicate the feelings of me, me feeling self-hatred and self-loathing. And unworthiness. And because I feel this unworthiness, I have to sabotage things when they're going really well because I don't deserve good stuff. Thank you. I have to sabotage it. No more. No more. This program and my God has given me the courage to love. The courage to love. I believe recovery is for the Courageous. I believe love is for the courageous, and today I'm starting to believe that I'm worth it. Mm-hmm. I'm worth God's love. I think we need to um, take questions.
2: Yeah, two so far. Let <laughs> me to read the first one. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can share in there now. Yeah, okay. So our first question here says, "My experience is cards? that lust disguises itself as normal or healthy thoughts and actions. Um, what's your experience?" Um, my experience is this is that lust disguises itself as whatever it mm-hmm. thinks it can get me to to use, um, and and it it, it very much will disguise itself as romantic fantasy, um, you know, relationship fantasy, um, whatever, whatever it thinks I want to hear, it'll tell me that. Um, So, and and I've never, you know, I won't say never, but um, today my brain doesn't just say, Hey, why don't you go on a you know five-day binge on pornography and masturbate till you hurt yourself? It says, What was the name of that actress in that movie you watched the other day? And I suddenly think that I need to know what that person's name was. And then Lus says, What other movies was she in? Or what you know? Where where was she born? You know what year was she born? You know that. I mean that to me gets into that um, the the um, the lie of intimacy. I I used to think being intimate was I knew what your name was, when you were born, and that you like to take long walks on the beach. And I'm in. You know we're we're committed. <laughs> 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 and um reality is nothing like that uh and I, I i won't even say that reality is um sometimes it's not better than that you know lust is easy because that's all i need that's all i need a name and a picture of you naked um reality is I've got to deal with somebody else's emotions and um, hurt and um, preconceptions about what relationship means and um, expectations. And sometimes I wonder, why in the world would anybody want to be in a relationship? (laughs) Because, you know, in my in my lust, all my relationships turned out great. Um, in my fantasies, I never got turned down. In my fantasies, I was always able to get an erection. Um, in my fantasies, I always satisfied the person. Um, you know, and that's not that's not reality for me. And, and so, yes, I would say that lust dis- disguises itself in um, whatever whatever it thinks it can do to sort of get me to use. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I'll
1: get my two cents about this also. Uh, Less disguising itself as normal, healthy. Yes, and if it doesn't, I'll justify it. Mm-hmm. I'll justify it. So um, with each of those young ladies, what happens is that, man, if I see the truth, I've got to give this up. Oh, no, no, it's not as bad as it, um, as it, as it seems. And... Um, I tell my sponsor stuff like, oh, but she's so nice. What's that got to do with anything? What's that got to do with anything? I mean, seriously. <laughs> That's got, this got nothing to do with anything. Um, so I tend to see what I want to see. As I get healthier, I want to see other things. Okay. If In my sickness, I want to see stuff that will trigger my lust, where I won't have to do the hard work, I don't have to be vulnerable. I want somebody, in fact, um, my sponsor once told me, in fact, my sponsor said, Simon, that is the sickest thing you've ever told me. This is the thing that I told him that led to that comment. I said, you know, I said, you know, I said, man, I think I just need to find the nymphomaniac. He said, Simon, that is the sickest thing you've ever told me. Like, I've told him some stuff that is that is incredibly... Shameful, incredibly. He never said that except when I said that. Because what that says is oh, you don't want to do the work to get better. Um, let's see, maybe I'll. Um, I recognize that my lust isn't about other people, but about me. What I'm unclear about is what appetite am I trying to use lust to satisfy? Oh, good. My question how do I discover what I'm really looking for and how to satisfy that longing? Oh, okay, great. An analysis. What I I'm, I'm like an analytical guy, so once I get the data, I have to know what to do with that. Because there's, for spiritual growth, there's always the remedy. The true remedy is always emotional and always spiritual. See, I can do the head work like the two plus two is four, um, you know, uh, four times four is sixteen, but the emotional work is um, four times four is sixteen. Okay. You've been, married to, uh, you've been married to your wife for 16 years. That's four sets of four increments in which you did not treat her as well as you were supposed to. Emotionally, here's some stuff you need to do to make amends to that. right? That's where the problem is. For me, the problem isn't, isn't the logical stuff. Well, let me figure out uh, what does it... Uh, no, no the, the problem is when I really get the answer, do I have the courage to implement? So how do I find what my lust is longing for? What I'd start with is what am I longing for? I'd write that down. These are my patterns, because I actually do that, okay? These are my patterns. I lust after this, 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 and this, and I share it with somebody. I lust after this, 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 and this. What characteristics do they have in common? Ah, this, 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 and this. Now, I started here, and I'm getting more narrow, right? Now, what do these things have in common? Oh, these things. Oh, it's about this. And then when I get that answer about, oh, this is the real issue, that's the hard part. The easier part is the analysis, because if I'm willing to work the program, I'll share that in meetings. And my sponsor, and my sponsor will say, Simon, this is your problem. Now, what am I going to do about it? So for me, that's really the hard part. And usually for me, what it comes down to is it comes down to the fact that I don't love me enough. When I'm lusting after these people with these fancy cars, I went through a whole year of that, and I'm like, what's my problem with that? You know, this guy has a Tesla. I saw a guy with a Lamborghini. I said, it ain't fair. It ain't fair. And it, during my analysis, what, as, as I did this process to find out what the real issue was, the real issue was I wanted the feeling that I think they have. I saw a guy get out of one of those cars. He's like, Yes. Yes, yes, I've got a Ferrari Yes, I'm the man I've got the Ferrari Don't you wish you had a Ferrari? Look at me, look at me, I'm the man That's what I imagined, right? And what I want is I want that feeling I can get that feeling But I need to get that car I'm mad at him because he's got that car If I had that car, I'd have that feeling I'd be the man, I'd be important I'd be special, yeah, look at me I know you wish you were me I can get that feeling if I'm willing to do the work. Because if I get that car, I still won't have that feeling. Because at the end of this analysis, it's really about that. I want that feeling, but I want to take a shortcut because I don't want to do the work. The work is having a behind in the meetings, dealing with my character defects, learning to accept all of me, learn to embrace my story. And my car, I kid you not, my car is 20 years old. 20 years old. My wife put a dent in the side of it because of a situation we won't talk about, it. okay? It, it was an accident. She didn't hit it with a hammer. She was driving, and there was a fence. And, and what I did is, and my wife said, you know, you, you have an old car, now. we should get it fixed. The reason I didn't get the car fixed... The reason I didn't try to get another car is because I know I have this problem. I want to be the man and be cool, right? Part of my recovery is driving around in that car and knowing that I'm God's child. Amen. No matter what the car looks like. Yeah. And that was hard for me. <laughs> yeah. So those fancy cars, those weren't the problem. That was the symptom that told me there's a problem. Dig deeper. Okay, dig deeper. Another symptom. Dig deeper. Another symptom. Dig deeper. And when I got to bedrock, it's about me wanting to feel important. I don't have to feel important.
2: I'm God's kid. Thanks. we got, uh, looks like, four more questions here. Unless anyone has got more. Um, which direction of the cord shuts the blinds? Um, <laughs> well, if... If you pull it, if you pull one cord, it shuts them to where the blinds are like that, and I can still look through the crack. <laughs> so you got to pull them the other way to where you can't sort of lock down. Check. You want to do that one? Oh.
1: Uh, How can we lust?
2: How can lust be tamed? Oh, how can lust be
1: tamed to prevent uh, relapse? (coughs) Great question. Um, How can lust be tamed to prevent relapse? For me, it can't. I can't tame my lust. Uh, Yeah, I I, I can't tame it. Um, My lust was not meant to be domesticated. Yeah, I, I don't bring a lion home and say, sit, Rover, sit, Rover, I'll be Rover's lunch, okay? Um, um, my, um, oh, there's a question? In the, I'll be with you in one moment. I just need to finish this one, okay? I did see your hand, though. I wanted to recognize you, okay? Um, Harvey, who's my, I guess, great, 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 great grand sponsor, I remember calling him once when I was in the middle of this and I said, "Oh, I said, Harvey, Harvey, I, I'm lusting. I saw this woman, and oh man, I, I'm, I was staring at her. Oh man." He said, "Great. Well, thank God you remembered that you're a lustaholic. It's a blessing that that happened to you." I'm like, "Not what I wanted to hear." So I don't, I don't prevent. Uh, how can lust be tamed to prevent relapse? I can't tame lust, and I don't know how to switch off, switch that off, but I do know how to do this. I do know how to, because I'm really good at focusing, right? I'm a lustaholic. When I lock on my lust, it's like, boom, right? Like, uh, like the fighter jets, right? You got radar lock, heat-seeking missiles, like, it doesn't matter where you go, I can follow you, right? Because that's what my lust does, right? I can divert my attention to something else. I can lock in on something else. So that I can do. So what I do is I lock in by making a phone call. And that, if I don't feel better, I make another phone call. There was a day um, within like a year and a half ago, and this wasn't even lust; this was anger. I called. I kid you not. I called twenty people that day, twenty people, because I wanted to be free. And that's what it takes. That's what it takes. So that's how I prevent relapse.
2: All right. Uh, It says the next question is um, in addiction and in addiction and love addiction speak to being lusted after and what that looks like? Um, Well, (laughs) for me, it looks like um, I used to, I used to, um, this is when I, I had been divorced and sober for a couple years, two or three years. I would go, To a coffee shop and I'd go get a cup of coffee and I, you know, sit in the corner at a table with my arms crossed and a scowl on my face and I would wait for, you know, the woman of my dreams to come up, um, you know, and talk to me and um, I, I wanted someone to pay attention to me and I sat in the corner like a two year old waiting for somebody to do that. Um, it's, it's the, the, the idea that someone thinks that I'm attractive or valuable or interesting is, is just as powerful as the idea of climbing into bed with somebody. Um, I, when I was, when I was acting out, um, my the, i told myself that the 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 most important criteria that i looked for in a woman was if they found me you know desirable <laughs> the rest of it could be we could work the rest out later um, so as long as you found me interesting I, that was i needed so little you know i i'm a uh, like Simon said, I'm a I'm a love cripple. I'm a, I'm addicted to love, and I need so little to run with. You know, I don't even I I don't even necessarily need you to lust after me. I just need you to. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the Starbucks because I didn't know what else to do for several years. So um, I, I remember going and ordering coffee, and the, and the young lady smiled at me and asked me how my day was, and I was like, oh, my God, you know, she is into me. <laughs> you know, how how wonderful this makes me feel. And I ordered my coffee, and I stepped over to the side to wait for it, and then the next person came up, and, they, and she said, how's your day going? And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Am I not special? you know <laughs> what what about us? Um, and, and i mean it's it's whatever you want to call it, whether it's to be lusted after, to lust after, it's all the same it's all the same it's it's me trying to get something to to fill me up um, and it's all very powerful. Our sister over there? I'm sorry, I can't write. Okay. All right. I have a question. I-
1: I think next time I'll just part the waters and that'll be easier than... <laughs> I mean, I don't... I don't that, that's a great question. I mean, my whole life has been spent trying to do that, you know. I guess I was kind of joking around, hey, you know, I'd have to be God to, to be able to do that. So for me, it's just a, it's a daily process. So one of the things I do is I, I know that the reason I feel that way is because of all the messages I got, especially early on, that you're not enough. You know, you're just not good enough. And... Um, What's our time, like? And um, this is really interesting is that um, through some of the, the research I've done on this, even, even children who are not old enough to speak, and I know this because you know as a, as a dad with you know, young children, it was so important for me to make sure they got attention, but even children who cannot speak in research, what, what we know based on research is even those children know if they're loved. Because parents, if you have young children, what happens is when you hear them cry, you know if it's a serious cry. Or if it's just like they're cranky. I can tell. I know. If you know your kids, you know, right? And when that kid is in real trouble, if the parents don't come there, that child knows. Even though they can't speak, that child knows, oh, I'm not really loved. If I have a real need, people aren't there for me. I got that message early on. And I've heard that, and that's why that thinking is that way. So it's kind of like, how did I get this way, like that? So what I do is an affirmation. So I have them on my phone. I record them. These are positive statements about what I want to be, about God's image of me, because I have to believe that I'm made in his image. And I listen to that, right? I repeat it. I hit the thing while I'm exercising. It's in my ears. I'm getting that because somebody has to tell me that, right? And nobody else is going to tell me that. It's my job to tell me that. So that's one of the things I do. Another thing that I do is I have to, as my sponsor says, um esteemable acts, and what that means is that um, in order to train myself about what it means to be loved, I have to share those things that are shameful with people who have earned the right to hear them. So, what I think is when I'm looking like through this microscope, oh, I, I, I did this thing, I'm bad, I'm horrible, I, I don't deserve to live, oh, oh, I'm so horrible. And what happens is I just see that little thing in the microscope. And what happens is when I go to a meeting and I share those, especially those shameful things, then what I see is, oh, oh, there's all this. Oh, wow. I'm looking at this one little thing through the microscope that I think is bad about me. And what um, um, psychologists, I was reading, the, well, not outside, I won't give the source, but... Um, there are, every person has about 18,000 characteristics, okay? All these different traits, things that you're good at, all this stuff, 18,000. When I'm in shame, I'm focusing on the one that's causing me the problem. But there are but if there's 17,999 other things that are great about me. I'm like, oh, forget about that. Here's this thing I need to make myself miserable over. I go to a meeting, I share it. When I share it, it allows me to continue the work. And it'll happen again. Something will happen. I'll be oh shame! I can't do it. And like with my wife, when I told her that, that was huge for me. And it opened up this whole thing. Now I can talk to her about anything. I have to have the courage to share the stuff that shames me. If I have the courage to share it with people who have earned the right to hear it, God will reward me being able to go one step further in terms of learning to love myself. Because I get feedback, oh wow, I am lovable. I am lovable. Oh wow, that worked. Maybe I'll try it again.
2: Should we try one more? Yes. Uh, This question is, how do I separate lust from my life when it seems to be so much my identity as a person? Um, It's a great question. And and it's terrifying. uh, Because I think the... The whole process of recovery is separating those things that I think are me from who, who I really am. And, it, and the first one that it starts with for me in SA is lust. Um, my only answer is, is how do I separate myself as I do it and accept the fact that I'm going to be terrified because i no longer have this thing you know i started acting out and sexually in second grade and i walked in the sa when i was 38 39 years old so this this program is impossible you, you i walk into the door and you tell me don't lust anymore well it's it's what i use my entire life to make it through the a day But I do. But the the fellowship is there to offer me, you know, the, the support and monitoring to, to face myself, you know, in the in the face of not having lust anymore. And it's the same way with not having resentments anymore. It's the same way with not having uh, fear anymore. How can I live my life without that tool that I've used? And the and the answer is, I have no way to know. Um, I I can only do it and find out.
1: I did want to share on that uh, briefly. Um, so much of my identity. There are times that my wife will say, um, "Well, not tonight, honey, but you know, tomorrow night." And so all day I'm like, oh, yes, yes, tonight, yeah. Even in recovery, okay, yeah, tonight, oh, it's going to be wonderful. And I go home and I say, okay, uh, don't worry about the dishes, honey, I'll take care of the dishes. Uh, it's okay. Uh, oh, no, honey, you're trying to clean up, the, clean up the, uh, um, the hallway? No, no, I'll take care of that, honey, it's okay. And then she says, oh, well, I, you know, I want to watch my show. Okay, okay, I was thinking, okay, well, maybe after the show we'll, we'll have our um, spiritual energy exchange, right? <laughs> and then she's into the show. And then she's like, oh, I'm pretty tired. I'm going to sleep. And in my head, I'm like, what? What do you mean going to sleep? I've been thinking about this all. What do you mean going to sleep? What do you mean? Liar, liar. <laughs> and then I remind myself, "Well, oh, that's right. That's right. You're in, re- you're in recovery. You're in recovery, right? This does not define love. She still loves you, right? She still loves you. It's okay. Make some calls. <laughs> so this thing about so much of my identity um, and I guess the thing it kind of gets back to is this self, like, for me, my, my self-hate is, it's like, who told me that? Who told me that? And I have young kids, and um, my daughter was saying the other day, she said, well, you know, um, I'm afraid of science. I'm no good in science. I said, who told you that? That's a false identity. That's a false identity, and it's not helpful. Am I a lustaholic sex addict? Yes, that is a truth. I'm God's child. That's the bigger truth. I could say, I could say, oh, I'm, I'm no good. I'm, I'm on death's door. Who told you that? I have a friend, right? I'm like, who told you that? You have diabetes. The bigger truth is you're a healthy person who does what you need to do. You're not going to die tomorrow. Who, who told you that, right? So with my kid, I'm like, who told you that? So the bigger truth for me is that, yeah, I'm a lust but the bigger truth is I'm God's kid. And I have a program. God gave me the program, and I'm willing to work it. So um, that identity, uh, so for me, that's that's a false identity when that comes to mind.
2: Should we close? Yeah, I think we have to. Okay. Did you want to do the closing? Oh, sure. sure. All right. Um, anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly opinion of the individual participant the principles of essay are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions and if we could all stand and close with the third step prayer